State of Play finally brings the heat. Well, hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, is Mr. Saw Briggs. I don't know what's going on there. I got Skittle Tongue, but uh, Saw Bridges bringing y'all lucky episode 264. And alongside me is Mr. Oh, Chris Figs. Hi. There we go. That was the smoothest one yet. I think so. Now, Saul, now that we've gotten through this intro, I have to ask a quick question. Is Skittle Tongue, when you have like, you've eaten too many Skittles in a day and like the tongue and the roof of your mouth are just fucking sliced and you keep eating Skittles? It hurts. Mm. Yeah. The side of my mouth, too. It does. But it's it's the kind of pain that you like. It's Skittles make me a masochist, I've noticed, because I used to get big bags when I was young and I would just eat, eat, and eat. It's kind of like when you eat a bunch of Cap'n Crunch. And you just keep eating more Cap'n Crunch, even though your mouth is begging you to stop. Yeah, I have consumed too many calories of Skittles today. I'll just say that. <laughs> I, I, I need to be stopped. Well, it's okay. Hopefully, we'll find a way to keep you occupied to where you won't want to grab into that bag and grab a big old handful. Because, of course, I have to assume you eat Skittles the correct way. You just grab a handful and shove them in your mouth, right? You don't like, yes. sit there and be like, I want to do red and then one blue. Right. Yes, blue. Organize no, the whole bag. No blue, blue in my bag. <laughs> You're right. The blue is only in the the non-original flavors. Now, well, what's the best non-original flavor? That's a really good question. If I want to be Whoa. honest, it's, it's kind of a cheat answer. I think the best non-original Skittles are actually sour Skittles, which are essentially yep. just the original flavors with sour stuff added to them. I don't like sour stuff. Really? Right, so hold on. What's your Skittles then? Are your Skittles the wild berries or which one? No, you probably consider? like the tropical ones. See, the tropical always lose me because they always have something that's uh, nasty, coconut like flavored or oh, pineapple yeah. flavored. And either one of those are normally like a... I like eh. I like the ones with pineapple. I don't like coconut at all. I like... like you yeah, hand like, me an almond joy and I'm going to punch you. I agree. Coconut's <laughs> the devil. Pineapple is good. I'm yes. glad we can all agree that coconut's bad. Pineapple is just hit or miss. I've had some great artificial pineapple flavoring, and then I've had some that's just like, I don't know about this. But it's more about how pineapple works with all the other flavors. And what I was talking mm-hmm. about, what makes Skittles good is when you can take a whole handful. And a lot of the offshoot flavors normally have one or two flavors that are good on their own. But if you try and eat them with the rest of the flavors, it's like it's too it's either yeah, too much or not water. enough. It does. It what does. you do though is you throw the whole handful in your mouth and you let it sit there for a couple of seconds and let you and you let your natural body warmth make it real nice and chewy. Is yeah. that how you try and work on softening your skittles? That's I, I, I don't try. It does soften the skittles. Have we become a skittles podcast? Yes. Yeah. Taste the rainbow. Taste the rainbow. Uh, but for any reason, if this is your first time listening to the show, well, then uh, welcome, first and foremost. Uh, I hope our Skittles talk wasn't making you confused. Uh, we talk about gaming every week. Uh, normally, the episodes come out on Wednesday mornings or Wednesday really around noon. Um, and we talk about gaming through the lens of being PlayStation fans. But of course, we all own other consoles and play the other consoles and enjoy some of the stuff from them. So we talk about everything as we feel fit though primarily through a PlayStation lens. We like to get the show started off in a time-honored way of checking in on what each other have been playing so that we can either get an idea of what's been going on around each other or at least give you guys some ideas of what games you might should be looking out for. So, Chris, going to start with you this week, buddy. What have you been playing? Um, MLB 22, the show. 
That is nice. almost exclusively what I've been playing. Um, I played a little bit of Resident Evil 6. I'm like three chapters into Leon's campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, some tales, but 90% of my time has been on MOB. Okay. Which tales? Graces still? Yeah, Graces. I did get Zillia, nice. and Zillia 2 is coming. Nice. I'm yeah. I'm excited for you. Zillia 2, I'm almost curious if you end up playing it because that was the one I was telling you has that weird loan mechanic where it completely stops you in your track and makes you pay back part of the loan. Mm-hmm. But there, if you can get past that, I'm curious if you end up playing it. I want to know the rest of the story. It was actually interesting. That was just one of the worst random hard gates I've ever seen a game throw at you. And at the time, I, have- I was not having it. Have you played Graces? Yes. So do I stop playing Graces and go to Zillia, or do I just finish Graces and then eventually play Zillia? I think you should finish Graces, give yourself some time, because the Tales games are... Those Long. two games are similar enough, even mm-hmm. though Zillia gives you a free... You don't have an overmap anymore. You just literally move around, which does help change the pace. Um, but I would argue that you'll still have some combat fatigue from the way those games handle combat. Yeah. So take a break, play something else, get something else, good time in, and then uh, come back to Zillia and hopefully enjoy it. Okay. I'll take that. Yeah. Okay. So two games. That's not too too far off. I mean, three games mm-hmm. technically, I suppose. But, yeah, three um, games. So Saul, I think uh, I'm curious as to yours because I don't really know how you've run around the internet. Uh, would you agree with the statement that uh, – Resident Evil 6 is like uh, the the most hated Resident Evil or that people hate Resident Evil 6, I should say. I've personally seen more hate for 5, but I've never played 6. I've played 5. Yeah, I've played 5 as well. And I remember 5 was the first one that I was a little disappointed with. And I remember other people did, being disappointed with. And But Chris and I were talking because he was playing 6 and he's like, it's not bad. He said he didn't understand the hate. And I realized that I didn't do a lot of online stuff around that time. Like I I looked at news, but I didn't do like blogs or anything or any of the uh, forums. So I remember people when I worked at GameStop buying it and then trading it in and being like, ah, it's more of what 5 is. It's fine. Thankfully, they brought other characters back into the fold. But it's my least favorite uh, Resident Evil. So it was interesting hearing you say hate, but as I've done a little bit of looking, and it does look like there is a, a decent bit of online hate for six dating back to around when it came out. So I don't, I won't say I learned something. I just didn't realize the level of hate for Resident <laughs> Evil Six. I've not played it at all. I have it's, zero input on the game. You should play it, a because it's co-op, so it'd be fun to kind of see how you feel that way. But um, okay, okay, yeah. But it's it's the thing is like outside of some of the story beats, like it's not a Resident Evil game. It's not, it, you know. It's a and different you think type that of, that's where the disconnect comes from? Because like I said, a yeah. lot of people are like, it's my least favorite Resident Evil. But that never necessarily struck me as I hate the game. It was just like it's unfortunate the game is because like I felt like Resident Evil Five was a fun game, but it mm-hmm. didn't feel very Resident Evil to me either. It had it had little moments. You know, some of yeah. it was just trying to chase after what Ford did, but it you felt not super overwhelmingly Resident Evil like. Which people I have, have that opinion of four, to be fair. True. I don't know. Do you think that it's fidelity that makes these games scary? Is oh, that, like you so, mean strictly like graphical fidelity? 
Yeah, because think about it, right? Like people think Resident Evil One and Two are scary, and I playing Silent Hill Two, I was like, this is pretty pretty freaking scary. But then like I don't think Resident Evil Two remake was all that scary, or Three remake was all that scary, or and I don't know if it's a thing of like the way the game's controlled and handled back then. I was gonna yeah, I was gonna scarier. argue that I don't think it was fidelity of graphics. I actually think that, and this is where some people were disappointed in that, I think most of the fear that came from the old Resident Evil games, and you see this as well in like uh, Parasite Eve, is fixed camera points and how that can change the feeling of surprise when something comes into your point of view and you don't have full control of your camera and whatnot to be able to handle it. And I think that's where a lot of that comes from because Silent Hill has uh, fixed point cameras as well, if I'm not mistaken, right? No, it yeah. does. So I think one of them, maybe four, or maybe one of the ones from the PS3 era did give camera control back into play, but most of them have had uh, locked cameras. Uh, and it's that weird, you're, the camera angles in those games are always like a camera randomly in the corner. It's almost like you're playing the whole game through security cameras from the way that the, the angles are shown to you. And I think people have that feeling of walking toward the screen instead of being able to walk toward the things that you can see so things will pop in and that you can't expect them. I think that's where the fear comes from. I think Resident Evil 2 maybe you would agree, maybe you wouldn't. I think most of what makes Resident Evil 2 it's not not scary as much as it's it's kind of what Resident Evil 7 has in that it's just you dread the feeling of something chasing you. It's tense. And you have, much like in 7, and I think 7 does it even better because it feels more believable because you're in this house uh, and it's that guy. But like the Mr. X chasing you, when you are in a room doing something and suddenly you hear his footsteps bonging around, you're like, God, (laughs) give me a couple of minutes. Like, you know? Yeah. Yep. So that'd be my argument. Though, you know, I think while we're talking about how those games do things, it's both a blessing and a curse that I feel like safe rooms are inherently kind of dumb because they they ruin the sense because you always I say that maybe it maybe it's the bat maybe it's what makes the game so tense is that you know you have that safety zone where the enemies can't get you because you're in a safe room, but anytime you go to leave, you have to play with that. Do I want to leave the the safety of my little area to go? Because uh, like Resident Evil Seven, at the very beginning, when you're at the safe room that's at the in the hallway, and you can open it up and go down, turn mm-hmm. right, and there's these double doors into the big foyer. Jack would almost always be in that area. So like you open the door and you're like, oh god, I, it's like I don't even know if I want to leave because he's just sitting. Like, you know, he's somewhere where I feel like he's going to get me. And I don't know if that's to the betterment of the game or to the hit because. Games like Outlast kind of had that feeling of constantly being chased, but there was never actually a safe zone. You can hide, but they'll look for you and eventually find you if you don't continuously move and change your hiding spots. So, horror is a weird thing. It is a weird thing. I do love those games, though. I've got the platinum in Resident Evil Two and Three. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I mean, I didn't play Three Remake, but I've intended to because I loved Resident Evil Three on PS One as a child. I just I mean, I own it. Never. You can play it. I can. I can indeed. And I might I because it's, you know, one of the ones I haven't played. Uh, cool. All right, Saul, what's you played this week, buddy? Uh, <clears throat> I went back to Elden Ring just for something to play, really. Um, 
Okay. And I have intended on playing my Switch, even though that did not work out like I planned, um, to get back into Octopath and to uh, start up, you know, Seth uh, and Seth, actually. We, we might be intending to do like a Pokemon Sword playthrough together. Oh, okay. So yeah. we might be playing that, but that's all kind of like anticipations. Um. I redownloaded Jedi Fallen Order and I played that for a little bit, but I haven't re gotten to play it like a whole lot just due to time. Yeah. So I nothing you. to do with the game yet. Okay. Well, while we're talking about Pokemon, I haven't really had a chance to uh, nail this down and, and ask you about it. I've talked a little bit to uh, Seth about it and a little bit to Andrew, but what's your thoughts on the, uh, the reveal of Violet and Scarlet um, with a little more input? Looks pretty good. Um, I really like the legendaries. The legendaries, mm-hmm. I think, are some of my favorite legendaries in a long while. The, the only one is that uh, it's it's uh, violets. I think I love it all the way down to the rockets, and I don't hate the rockets. It makes me but think I like feel parallel like I love. I could kind of see that. It gives me like Latios Latios vibes, but being yeah. so low, it just kind of looks odd in comparison. But I think everything above that looks amazing. And that's just a little questionable. But seeing it in person, I might feel different. Um, for me, you know that I wasn't a big Sword and Shield fan and I didn't have much interest in... Uh, I, I tried playing Shining Diamond and uh, Pearl, brilliant. whatever it's called. Yeah, brilliant. yeah, Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl. And those didn't hit me. But I, I remember one of my big things about Sword and Shield is I felt like it didn't even remotely try to move the series forward for being the first time on essentially console for the first time. Uh, And I was just disappointed in the game for that. But I feel like a lot of what they showed here is kind of what I was hoping for from that. Like this game looks like it's really taking the idea of what if you put, and and technically Arceus did it earlier this year. I just haven't played it and it was still a non-traditional Pokemon, but this looks like it's taking traditional Pokemon ideology and pushing it forward to like, what if you made a console based Pokemon game that you just happen to be able to play on the go. And I think that looks really cool. I think the idea, whether or not the execution is good of co-op Pokemon sounds really fun. I'm curious as to how it plays out in real time and, and real execution. But I think it looks good. I, I don't love any of the starters. Probably I the cat don't is the one I like the most. But eh. We'll see. The cat's pretty good. I like the frog, I think. The water frog, yeah. that's That yeah. one's probably going to be my starter, even though I haven't fully made up my mind yet. This might be like Sword and Shield, where I just box them all, and I get like um, Corviknight or Corva. The bird, the armored bird. Oh, yeah. The bird was cool. And I think it, Corviknight was either the, I think that might have been the name of the evolution. It but, was, yeah. But yeah, that's, that, that's yeah, my that jam was right a cool there. I'll Best regional that, bird. I did beat Sword eventually. So, and I still own it. I'm probably going to sell it because I don't really have interest in it. And I could use the money more than I could use a sitting case around but i'm glad that i was excited for this one because after sword and shield i was just kind of like man i may be burned out on pokemon but surprisingly with zero expectations i watched the trailer and came away like wow that actually looks kind of interesting and i'm willing to try that so it's four player co-op too so we can all play together that's what i know we're gonna have to try that out and see what that is i wonder if it's gonna be like a permanent co-op like we can all join each other at will and play or if it's gonna be like a you can only play for a set limit of time or is it gonna be like the the souls game do where it's only be like you do it to beat a certain thing 
Yeah, we're I know gonna it have to set up weird, password. But the idea of bosses in a Pokemon game kind of sounds cool. I I would be really into that idea. Well, they it did that for cool. Sword and Shield in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of the Eternatus fight when he had a, bo- a health bar. That was actually one of the only no, cool parts I'm talking about of like the all game. The, the, the raids, of, the raid dungeons. Yeah, the you're right. Area. It wasn't technically in the story, but yeah, the, it was in the game. Yeah, that's true. I liked. I did like the aspect of Eternatus's fight during the actual story, having a, a boss health bar. I was like, that's kind of cool. Like, I, yeah. it's technically strictly visual, but it did make it feel more epic than a t- traditional boss fight in, or you know, legendary fight in Pokemon. And so, somebody, somebody cool. told me like you can get pretty much most of the legendary Pokemon in Sword and Shield now. Um, and thanks to cool. Brilliant Diamond, they made it so that um, you can. That's all transferable too. So like you can get all the Pokemon from that. So it's kind of a cool way of like from let's go all the way up to, um, you know, the newest gen. It's like there's a lot of cool pass downs you can do or pass ups. So um, I think that in preparation for the po- for this Pokemon game, I'm gonna play through like Legends of Arceus and um, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl and Sword and Shielding and catch as many Pokemon as I can at the end games. That's okay. how I'm going to treat them. So I think I'm going to borrow Arceus or Arceus, however you pronounce it from Seth. Yeah. To try it out without having to commit because the little bit I played here seemed at least interesting. Like it was mm-hmm. the most interested I'd been in Pokemon in a while, but not enough to spend $60 on. Um, yeah. So, yeah I, I can lost borrow interest it. In I'd be it. willing to try it. I lost interest in it, but then again, I lost interest in it because I was playing it right around the time Witch Queen, Witch Queen came out, Elden mm. Ring. So uh, it's just I had more. It got overpowered games, even yeah. if it wasn't necessarily the game itself. Yeah, that can happen. So I might okay. go back, but uh, I heard you got the platinum for uh, Trials Tribes of Midgar. I keep calling it tri- Trials, but it's Tribes. So yeah, you've been playing that this week, huh? I've been playing that so much, so so very much. But yes, I got it. Uh, <laughs> Harrowing story, but you know, the, I guess the big takeaway I'll give for the game, and I, I might have mentioned this a little bit, but it's really been taken home. Um, there's a trophy for surviving 100 days in the survival mode, and the survival mode separate from Saga's mode where uh, it doesn't eventually become Eternal Night and Eternal Winter. Instead, it passes through seasons and everything, and Jotun continue to come and get stronger with each one that you defeat, so it gets harder and harder to get to day 100. And I'd started a world and didn't realize I made it public. And nobody joined it for like the first 20 days, so I didn't realize it was public. Well, after that, we had a big session where we played for like 15 in-games days, and it got to day 35, and people started joining. And I was like, oh, God. And this problem that runs into the game is that people, even if it's your world, if everybody else, if you once you let the people in, they can log in without you. So my world was potentially able to be destroyed by someone else's negligence. So what I had to start doing is as soon as people joined, I would ban them immediately so that they couldn't mess up my progress. <laughs> wow. And I, I faced a really hard time doing it because I, I, I think, Chris, you were in there that night. Yeah, it was very fun. And I did not want to do it, but I was like, I eventually did it. And so I, for the next few days that I was playing that world up to day 58, I would ban people as soon as they got in. Well, one day I wasn't paying enough attention and two people got in and got all the way up to level 10. But I didn't even know one of them was there until one of them hit the, uh, one of them 
hit Mike and said, hey, Chimera, are you immediately killing the Jotun? And he brought up a good point because I was making it harder by killing them so they would spawn even quicker, which would mean it'd get harder and harder uh, when I could let them walk and waste days so that there'd be less Jotun throughout the 100 days. Anyway, on day 58, me and this guy got on, me and the guy who was on there, I was like, man, I won't ban you because uh, I was like, you've been cool. I'd ban the other person. Uh, but I got off right before him and he got off a little bit after me and he said that the only way it makes sense is that right before he got off, someone else joined the world and I wasn't able to ban them. And so I came back the next day and my world was destroyed because someone else let the tree die. And I was oh. like, dude, 58 days in that game is like seven hours worth of play. Yeah. I was so mad. May even be a little bit longer. Anyway, the guy messaged me back. I was like, yo, what happened? The world was destroyed when I came back. And anyway, he messaged me yesterday and he said, hey, I got to day 99 in a single setting. And he goes, so I've been holding off until I could hear back from you because I want you to be in whenever we get to day 100 so you can get that trophy. So that was super cool. But... Uh, Damn, he made a good friend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The guy's real cool. He, he's been fun to play with. He knows what's going on. And he even told me when I jumped back in, he said, man, he goes, I'm going to be honest. He goes, I'm kind of going for the trophy, but I'm not that worried about the platinum or anything. I was just kind of going for it as a challenge. But he goes, I felt so bad for you losing those 58 days because I explained to him when I chose not to ban him why I had been banning everybody. And he agreed. He was like, oh, dude, he's like, if you want to ban me, I won't take it personally. I was like, nah, you're cool. Don't worry about it. Um, but when it happened, he goes, honestly, man, I felt so bad for you when I saw that the world was destroyed that I just immediately started a world and... He was in like eight hours, nine hours. I got to day 99. <laughs> I was like, thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, so that was cool. But that's been the fun of the game. Jumping into a saga mode where it does matchmaking with 10 people and having 15 in-game days to do everything. If you can get one person to break the silence and start talking on comms, I've had some like really early 2000s, like early to, to late 2000s, I guess, uh, times where it's just everybody talking and having a good time and getting into it and helping each other. And it's fun. And it's normally only like four out of the 10 people, but it really gives you that feeling of like old game lobbies. And I've had, I've met a lot of cool people and I think yeah. that might be one of my most like favorite parts of the game on top of just enjoying the gameplay loop of the game. So I did get the platinum in big part to this one person. So I appreciate him very much. Well, you know what that means now? We got to play the other definitive multiplayer experience that Chris has not experienced with us. The forest? No. That actually, though, yes. Forest two. Sons of the Forest when no. it eventually comes out? No. If it ever comes out? What game? Just you're, 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 Dragon Quest Builder. <laughs> Okay, no. hold up, hold up. Okay. This is a, it's a multiplayer game that you and yes. I have clearly played together. Yes. On multiple occasions? Yes. Oh my god, well, Terraria. Yeah, dummy. I was going to say how are you going to yeah, Terraria is oh. finally to, to the final product on PlayStation. Oh, I've man. played a lot of Terraria, just not with us. <laughs> True. Not with not us. With you. That is also like that one of the definitive that's part I, I and everybody sees different things in games, but I I feel a little bit of Terraria if you took the idea of Terraria and put it to a roguelike game in tribes. That's part of where my love for it comes from. Uh like I said, everybody sees different stuff in games. I can see Chris's face being like, I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah. Um <laughs> 
But I would I would argue this, Chris. I've played way more Terraria and way more tribes than you. So <laughs> I don't know that you've I'm played gonna, more Terraria than me. I'd be willing to bet I've played more Terraria. Uh, than yeah, you, that's, that's a that's that's that'd be interesting for y'all to compare because y'all both I'm sure y'all both have played a lot. Go give me go give me your PlayStation hours on your PlayStation. Just out of curiosity. This isn't like a dick measuring contest. You don't have to do it right now. I'm just genuinely curious because I played at least five hundred hours on PS3. I played about Three to five hundred hours somewhere in that ballpark on Vita, and then I played with Saul for about another three hundred hours before I ended up getting the platinum. A thousand hours? That went three hundred hours. That was like that was two months straight. Oh yeah, you're you're right. It was probably more. It was we played a lot, so I know I'm well over a thousand hours. That's all I do know. Okay, it sounds <laughs> but, like you've played more Terraria than me. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Chris, you should play The Force with us. I will one hundred percent download The Force. Have you ever played it? Uh, I. Played very little of it. Oh, I love I love the forest virgins. They're the best. Do you even? That's a good question. Do you know what the game is? Like, do you know the surprises of the game, or did you just kind of play it, but you don't know much else? Yeah, no, I just kind of played it. Oh, oh man. man, we should you, definitely play it. Download that, y'all. Y'all download it right now. We'll play it after the I show. I have it on for, my PlayStation for a little bit. I'm pretty sure I have it on my PlayStation. I'll check that. Oh, Chris, will you download that to my console? I guess I can choose which console, right? Yeah, should be able I'll to. work on that. Chris, if you're down to play for like an hour after this episode, I will 100% play The Forest for a little bit. Sure, I'll play. Look at that. Oh, boy. Coming uh, together. I love that, that game I have so to much. Get the platinum. Brett got it, so it's not, it's not super challenging. I'm not saying Brett can't get super <laughs> challenging platinums, but... <laughs> There is one trophy that you're going to hate because it's, it's just uh, glitched the and they've never bothered fixing it. It's the trees. I remember when you were doing it. It is, it is a nightmare. But that whole game's a nightmare in, in, the, in a good way. So yeah. it's okay. I, mean, um, I downloaded it. We'll see. It's downloading to my console too. So apparently that means I did delete it at some point. So, you motherfucker. Yep. It I happens. Have All right, boys. Internet connection. Well, I upgraded my internet lately, so uh, quick story time for anybody who's always been like, I wonder why Brett has a data cap. It's because much like AT&T, our local provider never, they, they like to come out with new, better bundles and like deals than what you have for their services and does not tell you. So <laughs> for a while now, they've had double the speed of download, the same speed of upload and unlimited data for $20 less than I paid for a month. Of really? Data cap and 300 megs. So now I've got 600 meg download, 30 megabyte upload, uh, or megabit, whatever, and then um, unlimited data for $20 less than I was paying. So I'm upset, but I'm glad I randomly saw an ad that made me go, wait a minute, why the fuck am I paying so much money? But so it's it's good. It's good. My speeds are even better. So that means the forest will be done in about 3.2 seconds. We'll see what happens. Cool. I almost paid for the one gigabit per second speeds, but I was like, do I really need that? I've decided against it. <laughs> I don't need that. Yeah, that's... Uh, uh, I would have paid the same amount of money as I was paying, and I was more interested in saving $20. If that doesn't tell you about adulthood, I don't know what does. Chris, you're muted. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> one of these days 
All right, boys. Uh, well, I guess it's time to tell you that, of course, with the episode coming out on a Wednesday, there was hardly any time for us to put out a community's take for anybody to respond to, and nobody offered it up. That's one of the weird adjustments of moving from recording on a Sunday to recording on a Thursday is when you said that, I was like, yeah, they got like four days to do it. And then as soon as I put the episode up, I was like, who's going to be able to pre- to put in predictions when half the people who listen to this show and interact with us haven't even listened to the show by the time that the state of play comes up. Yeah. So we're going to come up with a new, uh, a new way. So there's no community stake this week as a result. I'll tell you what, I got this. I got this. Go for it. If you're a patron of ours, which you can, uh, you can find at, uh, nartech.com. No, not nartech.com. That'd be cool. Patreon.com slash nartech. If you're a patron of ours and you've never played the forests, but you want to play, let us know, and we'll put you in a drawing to win a ten dollars PSM gift card. Ooh, actually, I'll put you in a drawing to just buy the forest for you. I mean, whatever hey, the value is, you don't have yeah. to. I think the forest is twenty dollars, fourteen ninety nine, something like that. I think it's twenty dollars. I think it's yeah, it might be fourteen ninety nine, but it's for sure. Like, we'll make it happen. Retail price just, was twenty. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll do that just because I said I'll find some way to give the the money away since I felt bad about that changing plans so quickly. So, uh, with that said, we were going to skip over that. We normally love hearing the the opinions of you guys in the community, but this week it did not happen. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to highlight someone who is a newer listener and a newer patron. Thank him so much for doing so, and that is Mister <clears throat> Leechion sixty nine. He went over to somewhere in our uh, thing. I think it was the general chat for Discord and just mentioned that he loves the show and that was very nice to hear. So, Lucian, if you're listening to this, I appreciate you. He says he's listening from Berlin and uh, that's awesome. He says, I haven't gotten involved with the community as of yet, but just wanted to say thank you for giving me pleasure of listening to these great podcasts weekly. And that's why we do this because we have a lot of you guys who reach out to us and tell us how much you enjoy having the show. So, we appreciate that. Uh, we do. But we without do, we further do. ado, I think where I will, what I'll do now is tell you where you can normally be part of the community's take, which is where we ask you guys your opinion on the main topic of the previous episode or some question that we choose to give, so that we can hear your thoughts on it, challenge our thoughts potentially with what you say, or just generally get a different perspective. You can do so over on our Discord, which you can join by clicking the link in the description below. And if you are a patron or if you become one. You get a cool colored name, just like Leechion69 has, uh, for as little as a dollar per month. Uh, so thank you to him for that. If you want to be part of our Twitter discussions, we are on Twitter at TriangleSQRD. And lastly, you can also find us on Facebook with the group Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast, asked to be entered into that. And I will gladly let you in, uh, and we would love to have you. But moving along, we're going to go ahead and get into the news. Uh, if for any of you who don't know, I like to give shout-out where credit's due. Chris has taken over handling the news, which gives me... It, it helps because now I don't have to feel like I have to rush to get news done, record the episode, and then do all the editing. So, Chris, thank you for putting yeah, the news welcome. together. It's a big help, and I really appreciate that. Definitely, since we're recording after we get off on your yeah. off day, it's just it works out better, and I appreciate the thing. So, everyone, throw Chris some love for his work. Uh, first thing on the news, we've often talked about what Hideo Kojima has going on, and who knows if it's one game, multiple games, but. What we might know right now is rumors of Hideo Kojima and Norman Reedus collaborating on the next entry in the Death Stranding franchise may need to be abandoned, at least for a while. I see what I you hate did that. there, Chris. I hate that. As, 
As Tom Henderson published an article on Try Hard Guides that seemingly spills the beans on the next project from the auteur studio, it's tentatively called Overdose and stars Margaret Margaret Qualley, who you may know as the actress who had collaborated with Kojima as Mama <clears> in <throat> the PS5's best game, Death Stranding Director's Cut. <laughs> Death Stranding is amazing. It is amazing. I don't know if I want to throw out best game yet, but PS5 is in early days, so that's not an incredibly hard bar to hit just yet. That's kind of where I was coming from. Like, I can't think of anything better. So, yeah, I don't know. If we're talking strictly exclusive, um, I don't know. Great game either way. That's all that matters is we're talking about a top tier game. Uh, So... This is uh, uh, this is apparently from the if you actually go and check out the leaks, which I encourage you to do if it doesn't get taken down, because uh, I guess what I'll do is finish that news real quick. Adding credence to the last story, Kojima Productions has apparently reached out to Tom and requested the removal of the article, which he did not do as of yet. So who knows if something will happen that will force his hand to take the article down? I would imagine not. So go check it out if that's something that interests you. But it looks like it's pointing towards this idea of Kojima's long-awaited horror project project and that is going to involve that um there was some talk about uh gameplay that was seen of uh margaret qualley's character walking down a dark alley or a dark hallway uh with a flashlight in third person apparently there was also talk that the game is also playable in first person which for fans of pt would be pretty cool i'd always hoped that if pt came out um into the full-on silent hills that with them having Norman Reedus as the player character, I figured that that would probably mean they would want to go third person like most Silent Hill has been. But I was kind of hoping they'd still have the ability to oblivion it or, you know, the Bethesda games where you can just click the analog stick in and go to first or third person. Yeah. Because why not? Uh, but yeah, so who knows? We know that there's a satellite studio that Kojima bought um, mm-hmm. that could be helping and they could be developing both a Death Stranding sequel and this at the same time. But uh, what are your thoughts on coming back to uh, horror in a way that we have a little bit more information and likelihood than his return with uh, Silent Hills <laughs> from Konami? Uh, what are you thinking, Chris? Um, I'm not sure. I think we might find out pretty soon. But with it being horror, what do you think Overdose is uh, is a hint towards? Do you think it's going to be a horror game that's kind of based around the idea of drugs and how they can make your mind kind of wonder in crazy ways? Or probably, or it'll be like the character overdosed on social media, and now she's so oh, it's scared. It's going to be the flip of Death Stranding, where social yes. media helped tie the game together. This is going to be where social media can be toxic. Exactly. She's going to be so desperate for likes that she starts going to haunted places. There you go. Kojima wants to know your location. (laughs) (laughs) That would actually be a pretty funny in-game situation. I see you. (laughs) Like she pulls out a phone. Stranding. (laughs) Yeah, it must mean that you think social media is the end-all, be-all. But uh uh. Saul, what are you thinking? Are you liking the idea? I mean, I know, I'll tell you, for me, I'm I'm loving the idea of him coming back to horror because I thought PT was great. And this isn't so much of a fear as much as it's just a curiosity. He's not ever done a full-on horror game. He's done a short experience with PT, which was masterful. But I think it's easier to craft a powerful, mysterious, you know, hour and a half to three hour, depending on how good or bad you are at understanding and working with other people 
experience that doesn't really have a real end or full on arc than it is to make a full horror game that is poignant in a way that really sticks with you. So what are your thoughts? Uh, I, I'm always for more stuff. Kojima, especially like horror. Give me more horror games. Um, so yeah, like I, I, I'll fully support, you know, like I've said before, I would never blindly like, uh, love something like, you know, I'm, I will support it and I'll be waiting in anticipation to see what they're going to do. So I am pumped to see or hear more about it. Um, I think Margaret Wally being in it's cool because I really I like her as an actress. Yeah, I mean, and, he goes to show his testament of like using, you know, he liked uh, Norman Reedus and PT, and there he was in Death Stranding. Um, so it it goes to show you that like, yeah, this is this plus like the request I get down is probably this is real. I definitely yeah, would. I, mean, I definitely seems, could say with full confidence that this is probably real, and it kind of makes me excited for it for the same reason. Any chance that you guys think that this is his Microsoft cloud-based project that was potentially ready to get signed? Do you think that actually did get signed and this is the product of that? It could be. Uh, Microsoft does a lot of games like this in a weird way, like third-person, like sketchy, like Alan Wake at least is the first thing I think of. Um, and they clearly made a deal with the medium to bring that to them first. So they yeah. have seemingly some interest in, in bringing something like to this. But I think for, for Kojima, I don't really know that they care what Kojima makes. I think that they just want to be able to say they have a Kojima game. Yeah. Exclusive. And, and I could see like a, um, not like a point and click, but like a third person, like hallway simulator, kind of like PT was, but more third and first person, like a, a short microburst game as a cloud game working way better than a full fledged game. That's kind of based around horror. If that makes sense. Like I could, I could foresee this being like a $30 four hour experience. That's cloud based. You know, Chris, do you remember a while back when we were talking about silent Hill stuff and who the Japanese developer could be? And if the Mm -hmm. Japanese developer would have been the one doing the episodic or not. Yeah. I actually think PT is a good example of how you can make essentially an, uh, an episodic title length expected horror experience that could really work. Uh, mm-hmm. So Kojima being a fit for that would actually kind of work in my mind if he just made like five episodic entries that are essentially all PT length and styled. Yeah. And I think that them being episodic in that way could help them be disjointed, but not feel as weird as if you tried taking all five of those and shoving them into a continuous game with no breaks. I think it can help. So I don't know. What would never happen in the industry, but would be very sick is if um, the episodic game was a different studio, did a different episode. I would love that. Actually, you get like Kojima does an episode, like RE team does an episode. It'd be like Black Mirror the game. That'd be cool. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that would actually, yeah, that would be awesome. And it would be even more cool if it was just like all the only through point has to be that there's a, there's some stylistic through point to a degree. So if it's like, if, if we're agreeing a tour, then it's every studio's different take on horror and they're connected, but not really. That would be really cool. Yeah. You know, it's almost what I wish that the Dark Pictures anthology was really trying to be instead of just being 
the same studio working in the same universe on different stories that are five episodes each or so. Like mm. since those games are on the new PS plus, I'm going to try man of Madon cause I was always curious about it, but it struck me as like, it might be until Dawn just not quite as good and not yeah. quite as. So I was kind of curious about that, but I, I wish that that would have been uh Bandai Namco's like, we're going to start with this team and we're going to let them do Man of Madon, but then the next one will be, even if it was like that, right? It's the Dark Pictures anthology, but each episodic series is five episodes from one dev and then five episodes from another dev would be kind of cool. Yeah. But I I like your version even more where there's a series of five episodic ep- episodes that are tied together, but they're all different developers and it would speed up uh, development because yeah, I mean, each studio yeah. could be working separately. If you think about it and you go like, okay, like in the bizarro world where this happens, you're like, uh, RE team, we want you to make a two-hour Silent Hill game. And then they go and they're like, hey, Tango Gameworks, two-hour Silent Hill game. Kojima, two-hour Silent Hill game. You know what I mean? Bloober team, one-hour Silent Hill game. And then <laughs> like Sony, Santa Monica, I don't know, Naughty Dog. One hour, yeah, literally game. any studio who's, yeah, yeah, that, that would, be, would cool. be sick. I would kill to see that naughty dog, like episodic Silent Hill thing, a very quick one, dude. Even if that was just, you know, how we've we've kind of played around with the idea of Sony trying to essentially license out and be able to use, um, Konami's IP, that would be a cool way for Sony to do it. Be like, listen, we're gonna we're gonna make a Silent Hill game, but to celebrate Silent Hill and all the ways that it can be something different, we're gonna let a different studio. So we're gonna partner with Kojima for one episode of this Silent Hill. We're gonna partner with uh, we're gonna partner with Sony Ben for one episode of Silent Hill. We're gonna partner oh, with yeah. you, you know what I mean, like just and have <laughs> it be all Sony version. developers. Yeah, have cool. it all be Sony developers or or ones that they have close relationships with, like. Have Square Enix business, creative business division three make <laughs> make us why not? <laughs> then, I know. Well, I was agreeing. I was saying like get the Resident Evil guys to make a two hour Silent Hill experience. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. Yeah, that Dude would be great. I, I would love to see that. I mean, there's part of me that would like to see it done from people who are known for horror, but I kind of would like to see studios who aren't known for horror. Or at least at a large rate. Because I think like Ben Studio, there's some moments of Days Gone that are pretty tense. And I would like to see how they would approach something like Silent Hill. So you're saying you kind of want to see a Traveler's Tales Silent Hill episode? Why not? I would play the shit out of a Lego Silent Hill episode. (laughs) Are you joking? Why not? (laughs) Yeah. Why not? Get a... Sony San Diego to make one that's an MLB player being haunted in the middle of a game. <laughs> that dude, it's an MLB player going through, yeah, and, and he gets in there and he's just using his bat as his main weapon. That'd yeah. be great. That'd be sick. Yeah. And it would be very fitting to Silent Hill because you're normally just hitting them with like sticks. Like that, oh yeah, that's normally Absolutely. it's like you just have a, a block of wood. It's like I'm gonna swing this this wood at you. You better get the fuck back. <laughs> you get Glenn Schofield to do an episode. There you go. See, we figured it all out. Just yeah, have the Callisto Protocol Studio do it. Yeah. yeah. What is that studio called? I can't think Fun of it. Fun right bike now. or something uh, weird like that. That sounds iffy. <laughs> iffy Fun bike. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving along. The next thing up, uh, 2021's Battlefield 2042, that's a mouthful, is yeah. finally receiving its first season on June 9th, seven months after its launch. It's called Zero Hour and will include a new operator, weapon, map, 
and vehicles. Um, and this is something that came up in the Discord earlier, and I kind of want to bring Stingray's opinion into it because it, it highlights something about any any industry like this where there's so much competition. Uh, but someone posted it. I think it was one of our patrons, Rude Days, um, about how it's getting not a lot of content <laughs> so late into the thing. So one specialist, two helicopters, two weapons, one map. Um, and he came and he said, it's actually a blast to play. That's what Stingray X said. And he said, unfortunate people have opinions blasting it after not playing it after the patches. They've improved a lot of it. And my response to that was looking at, you know, there's mil- there's a million reasons why people aren't happy with update schedules for games. Halo is a good example of people feel like there's not enough being added to Halo at a quick enough rate to draw them to either try to play it or to keep playing it. Uh, Saul, you talked today about how, or you talked uh, this week about how you're like, you have some people around you like Big Seth who is wanting to play Halo, but you're just not interested. And I'm I'm in that same spot. And I loved Halo for a while, Chris. Oh, yeah. You and I played the hell out of that. Uh, It's all me and you as well. But it's like, for whatever reason, it doesn't even matter what the game is now because what happens in in a market that there's so many games in is that you have this issue of when there's so many new games to play, it's hard for people to go back to games that swung out either on release or close to release. And it's unfortunate because they can end up being great games, but they're still going to die because they don't have the support they need. And while that sucks for the developers and the fans of the game and for people who are enjoying it, like I was enjoying Anthem, I have to just come to terms with the fact that this game is going to have this opinion because it had its chance in the limelight and there's so much other competition that you really, it, it takes an ungodly amount of effort and social media goodwill and all sorts of things for a game to crawl back from that. And there's just so few examples of it. No Man's Sky being pretty much the champion of it and very few other games really living to tell that tale. So it sucks, but I I don't even want to be the one to say it in this sense. But I would I would imagine that Battlefield 2042 is probably not going to be around for much longer. No, and it's sad because the initial launch trailer looked really fun. And I really liked Battlefield 3. And I really was, I was hoping it would be back to that. Yeah, I remember Chris being like, God, this looks sick. Yeah. <laughs> and then, if I remember right, weren't you saying like you might, uh, you were like, I might be playing this instead of Call of Duty this year? Yeah. And then it's somehow, some way, <laughs> you played neither. <laughs> yeah. yep. So, unfortunate, but... I want it's the reality of industries that are so full of games, you know? Yeah, that's true, too. Hey, maybe this game will survive. I like to be optimistic. Maybe it will be the next idea of a game that didn't have much going for it at launch and then no man did, no man's sky its way up to existing in a healthy fashion, still getting support six, like six years later. Maybe it's possible. It's definitely maybe just maybe. possible. But I have to imagine they'll be selling a new Battlefield game. In five years. Yeah. That's part of it too, is it's the developer behind it. A lot of people just choose to be like, it's EA. They'll just put out another Battlefield in a year and a half, and that one will hopefully be my next chance to give them a try. And they've hopefully learned a lesson. People don't really want to spend that much time in something that they feel is already late to come up when it's going to be replaced sooner rather than later. Or at least precedent set from EA would make you think so. Right. Uh, Next thing up is the Summer Games Fest schedule. So one thing to keep in mind is that uh, 
Jeff Keeley took to uh, social media to warn people to keep their expectations in check because he said that pretty much the majority of Summer Game Fest this year is going to be looking at games that are already announced. And he's not hitting everybody with the, just wait for this world premiere. So that's not that surprising. Hold on, though, because today he tweeted out, it's paraphrasing, but something along the lines of, it's so great to see a world premiere show up in your inbox. So you know what, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, don't wrong. There's still going to be some uh, just because. But we'll it Kojima is a little surprising to hear him say that just because I felt like, I don't know how to say, I, I don't want to say it in a bad way are implying it's bad because I'm not even really in a rush to play any of the new stuff, but I felt like the end of this year was kind of dry. Like we normally know about more that's coming out at the end of the year by mid year than we currently do because E3 used to be a thing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so when people, people would have thought that means summer game fest is going to be where we're going to hear about a lot of this stuff and see new games. But instead it sounds like maybe we are going to get dates for games that are in that period, but it's not going to be stuff that surprises you so much as it's going to be, here's the date for call of duty. And here's the date for this other game that you already knew about, you know? Yeah. So I do think Kojima's to that degree, game will be there. I've said that, but that's the world premiere. Yeah. That's why he I've, wanted to take him down. Yeah. That's why I mean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it totally checks out, so we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, either way, uh, Chris points to a Video Games Chronicle article where uh, they talk about what's coming up. So uh, on June 6th, which of course has already passed, Limited Run Games was doing its thing uh, to show what it has going off. Uh, June 8th, which is the day after we're recording, the episode should be up. Uh, Upload VR Showcase is going to be there at uh, 8 a.m. Pacific Standard. Uh June 8th at 10 a.m. is going to be Black Voices in Gaming, uh, which I think is likely going to be more of a panel like we saw Take Two do last year during their E3 presentation. Um, Summer Game Fest, as a overall name, is going to be June 9th, starting, excuse me, starting at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard. Uh, and then at 3 p.m. that same day, Devolver, Devolver Digital will have their showcase. Uh, IGN will have their expo on June 10th at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard. Netflix Geek Week Gaming, which might uh, see us seeing more of Netflix's uh, investment in gaming that they've been talking about, is June Yuck. 10th at 10 a.m. <laughs> what, what's that, Saul? Yuck. Maybe. They bought EA, and they're going to announce it there. That would be... That would be more surprising than Microsoft than waking up to Microsoft buying Bethesda, which was like at the time felt like industry shattering. You know, yeah. If, right. it, if Netflix buys EA, that's way bigger deal, and that's way more like I I would have never guessed that in a million years. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be Apple. But it's not but. impossible. Probably not wrong. <laughs> Definitely with Apple Arcade being a relatively popular platform. Uh, let's see. June 10th, 12 p.m. Pacific Standard, Tribeca Games Spotlight. Uh, Guerrilla Collective 3 has a showing June 11th at 8 a.m. That's my birthday. Uh, June 11th at 9.30 a.m. Pacific Standard, Wholesome Games Direct. Uh, Future Game Show is at June 11th at 12 p.m. So that's definitely taking up, you know, that June 10th through June 11th uh, is normally the big E3 days. So that's definitely where you're seeing these things come in. Uh, June 12th, 10 a.m., 
specific standard. Uh, you're going to have Xbox and Bethesda's game showcase. So that is apparently what their original EA plan or EA E3 plan show was just being folded into this PC gaming show will be June 12th at 12 PM specific uh, Pacific standard gorilla collective 3.5 will be June 13. I don't know what that is to be honest with you. 1 PM, uh, and Capcom will have another showcase, which if you watch the state of play, you'd think, how do they have anything else to show? But they have a showcase June 13th at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard and Xbox Game Showcase Extended, which we have no clue what that exactly is. Probably uh, extended looks at things we saw from them before on June 14th at 10 a.m. So if you want to check in on any of those things, be part of the normal E3 festivity time period and instead just do it through Summer Game Fest, have at thee. Have a good time. Uh, and while Jeff Keighley may have been talking about the actual Summer Game Fest on June 9th event as to what to expect from world premieres and not, that doesn't mean that Xbox and Bethesda's game showcase couldn't have a few tricks up its sleeve. Can anybody say Fallout 3 and New Vegas remastered in a bundle? Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> right after you get the platinum for them on the PS3? Oh, I'd do it again, but I'm, I know I'm not getting the platinum on PS5, sadly. Well, it does have a legacy. I'm just saying. Just hear me out, Phil. There's a legacy. <laughs> I think someone's at my front door. Y'all give me a second. I'll be right back. Hope yeah, go ahead, man. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to happen from a couple of these places, but we'll see in the long run. Uh, let's see. Dragon Age 4's full name has been revealed by BioWare. It's officially titled Dragon Age Dreadwolf, which is a sick name if I'm just being honest. <laughs> Very few other details were revealed about the, the game, but they confirmed that Solus is the villain. And that means that you should probably wait another four years for this game to be out. I'm kidding. I hope it's not that long for anyone who's actually excited for it. <laughs> I just have a hard time from the way that they've announced this and the new Mass Effect, believing that either of them are coming before 2025. I would have to agree with that. Although, Maybe 2025 will just be a super lit year, though. Like, you get new Mass Effect at the beginning of the year, or new Mass Effect at the end of the year, new uh, um, new Dragon Age at the beginning of the year. I would if take you really like Bioware games. I do really Let's like see. Bioware games. How long do you think it'll be before we see EA give Bioware the okay to make a new IP again? Uh, probably never. <laughs> you know at this point we should just be lucky that unlike every other studio that ea has ea bought during the same time period that they bought um bioware every other studio that they bought has been closed i just don't think period. they could i feel like that would just be a bridge too far for them i don't know man i don't know but we'll see. Uh, next thing up, Capcom looks to be releasing the next-gen versions of Resident Evil 2 and 3's remakes as their file sizes have shown up on the PSN backend. As you may remember, Capcom did announce, not with dates, that Resident Evil 2, 3 remakes, and Resident Evil 7 would all be getting PS5 or PS5 and Xbox Series uh, upgrades so that you could play them on next-gen consoles uh, with improvements to their frame rate and everything in, in resolution. So this is not too surprising, but this looks to seem that they're going to be very soon. Now, Resident Evil 7 has not yet been found for its file size, so it might be a little further out. And I have a theory as to why that may be. Oh, yeah? They're waiting to put the Resident Evil 7 one out 
for when they update Resident Evil 7 for PS5 to also include a PSVR 2 update so that the game can be played in PSVR 2 so that it is no longer stranded on the very inferior PSVR. And I know I love PSVR, and if you've been listening to this show for a long time, I did love it at one point. But it's been outdated and outgrown by every other VR platform. And if Sony wants to have this game exclusive to PlayStation, that is fine and a great idea. Bring it to bring it forward. One of the best VR games of the PlayStation for one of the best v- VR games in general should be brought forward to a much better platform. Why not? Definitely I agree. when you're already doing the same treatment to Resident Evil 8, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Well, so, I, was, I was thinking about something. Okay. So you know how yes, Facebook paid for Resident Evil 4 VR? Yep. You think that does not come to PSVR 2 because Facebook paid for it. However, Capcom just does the exact same thing, but for Resident Evil 4 Remake. So Sony just gets the better version. Well, we'll kind of talk about that in a minute, but it's kind of interesting that the announcement of that did not specifically imply the entire game would be playable. True. We'll talk about that in a second, though, I guess. Uh, Next thing up, Sony Bend have revealed their newly redesigned logo. If you remember, Insomniac went through this as well. Uh, I won't be surprised if we see a couple more PlayStation Studios do this in the coming days. But uh, as alongside that, they also hinted uh, something about their upcoming project, of which they had this to say, quote, We are currently working on a new IP that includes multiplayer and builds upon the open world systems of Days Gone but brings you a whole new world that we are extremely excited to craft for you. We cannot wait to reveal it to you when the time is right. End quote. This is curious to me because there was talk about how they wanted Days Gone to be multiplayer. um, Yeah. Or have some aspect of multiplayer. And now whether multiplayer could also expand into meaning co-op or strictly competitive, who knows? But, it's weird. I'm excited by the sentence of builds upon the open world systems of Days Gone, but I'm also like, so what does that mean? Are you essentially making Days Gone, but without the weight of the baggage of what Sony expects of Days Gone from a name? Um, so I don't know. I'm excited to see it because I like Sony Bend and I've loved a lot of their games and I was a big proponent of them far before Days Gone came out, even though it looked rough. And I'm glad to find that Days Gone was a great game to me. But a lot of what made Sony Bend the Sony, or at least a lot of what outwardly seems to make Sony Bend have the the flavor in which they did were the people who left Sony Bend. So it's going to be really interesting to see if I continue to have uh, a love for them and if they have the same charm to their games uh, now that they have essentially new leadership going along there. There's, some, of course, some of the same employees, so we'll see what happens there. Chris, I know you're a Big Days Gone fan. How I do love me you? days gone. Are you are you excited or or are you kind of burned at the fact that they're not making Days Gone too? So, what's what's going on with you? I mean, I'm going to play the next Sony Ben game. Uh, it sucks they're not making Days Gone too because again, it's the best game of last gen. But I don't know. I'll still give them a shot in what they are. I I hope they just make it a zombie uh, zombie video game where you're on a motorcycle. Weeks past. Yeah, weeks passed. Yep. That would have actually been a great name for the sequel. Weeks passed, yeah. months passed, years passed. Yeah. Or whatever you want to whatever you want to put at them, yeah. Perfect quadrilogy. <laughs> oh well. 
Like yeah. I said, when Sony inevitably buys CD Projekt, CD Projekt Red, Red and lets them make Days Gone 2, then we'll be fine. You brought up CD Projekt Red, and I had a thought the other day. Do you think this uh, all the mergers and acquisitions stuff going on in the industry will eventually result in a situation where Sony buys someone like CD Projekt Red strictly to go to Microsoft and be like, we will take The Witcher if you take Elder Scrolls? Oh, yeah. Like, hey... We'll, we'll if you let us get Elder Scrolls, we'll let you get The Witcher, or right. strictly be like, hey, if, if you don't, that means you don't get The Witcher, which everyone loves. Exactly. Like we will pull Witcher Four from you, or we'll leave everything the way it is, and Elder Scrolls Six is a PlayStation game. Considering that both of those games are probably twenty twenty six, there's some time for that to happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hope I'm wrong, but. With with Starfield being delayed and not being out and everything around it, I have a really strong feeling that we hear about the Elder Scrolls Six in 2019 and don't see it released until 2025 at the least. And oh, yeah. do we really need to know about a game for six years? No. No, we don't. I just don't understand uh, why they announced it. Now, to, <clears throat> just to be fair, that same criticism could be levied against Cyberpunk, a game that we knew about for about seven years before it came out. Yeah, but BGS doesn't need to hire. That Cyberpunk trailer was literally a hiring trailer. I think that's what it said at the end of the trailer. You know what I mean? So yeah, you're not you're not entirely wrong because that was at a time where CD Projekt Red had just gotten a little bit of notoriety. It was yeah. before The Witcher Three had come out, but it was after they kind of got like a little bit of like, oh crap, check out these newcomers with The Witcher Two. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, The Witcher Two was a big deal. Yeah, because uh, that from that a, trailer for a small studio. If I remember correctly, it was like a concept trailer. And then at the end, it said, like, do you want to work at CD Projekt Red? Like, here's our hiring links. So, I mean. And and I think studio expectation, too. It's different for trying to drum up support for a studio that at the time they put that out was not the studio behind the game of the year, Witcher 3, that people can throw around now. You know, there are people that could be like the the all-time classic beloved The Witcher 3 developers are working on a new game. That's a different ball game than studio behind The Witcher 2 is being like, hey, we're doing another IP and we know that we're not very big and you don't really know us, but here's our idea. Come yeah. hire, come work for us. It, it exactly. is different. I agree. Um, but at the same point, I still think to some degree, we knew about that game for too long, but... Oh, the, yeah. That's know, what Cyberpunk, up Cyberpunk so is a very interesting uh, story of... Never do that again. That's like a it's it's a good cautionary tale. It's still a great game. It is still a great game, and I actually reinstalled it today. So uh, nice. that's 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 coming up. I'm gonna play it again. Uh, Excellent. Saw. Game. I know that you uh, you went away and came back. I doubt you have anything to add to what we were talking about. But if you want to, I'll give you that opportunity. <laughs> uh, no, I like Days Gone, and I like Bend. Um, I actually just downloaded or redownloaded Days Gone last week with the intention to start that up if I didn't like last, or not last Jedi, but Fallen Jedi, or Fallen Order, So because uh, mm-hmm. I want to finish that game. Backup game? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. You're, oh, yeah, you never finished Days Gone, right? Mm-hmm. You got Get to the part where I got, I got Boomer to the Medic. Oh, okay. wow. Yeah. You got about a third like of the 40 way through. hours. <laughs> It's about a third of the actual arc, but in terms of all the world building and stuff that goes on and all the the exploration, yeah, that game's a long game. It is. So it's a little it's maybe too long, but it's great all the way through. 
I, you know, I've, I've argued, I had that thing, you know, where normally when you think about like an open world, right, for games that are like that, normally I feel like most open world games, I'm kind of like, I wish this would have ended about 10 hours earlier for almost everyone that I play. But Days Gone is a rare example of where all the way to the end, I was like, yes, yes, let's keep going, baby. Yes. Yeah, I just yeah. think there were a couple times for me where I was like, okay, I'd like to just see the conclusion and I have to drive across the country again. You know what I mean? They had that, they had that, but when they opened up the snow area for the first time, I was like, all right. <laughs> but then you get to the next part and it's immediately you're hooked in again. So it's Oh yeah. It it is a weird back and forth, but I'm I love that game. And I also have it sitting on my PlayStation 5 waiting to be replayed myself. I will I think I might just do Cyberpunk, Days Gone, and God of War. Bam, 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 and just replay three games I've been wanting to replay. Hell yeah. Why After not? you play Wolverine and want it. I've played Wolverine. I just haven't played it. Yeah, but you got to platinum it. And then you got to play Wanted. I do need to play Wanted. That, wanted that is, is a, fair a quick point. experience. I'm kind of surprised. Well, I'm not surprised, but it's, it's very fast. You can get through it in a day. If you platinum it, it's a day and a half. Hey, Chris. Yeah. This is yours. Oh. It looks so good. I just want you to know. I want you to know. It's yours. It's there for the taking. I, I love I'm it. assuming you want me to wait until I create the others to send them all to you at once? Yeah, you might as well. I kind of just assumed you'd send them with the games. Fair point. That's actually a really fair point. So, yeah, I need to play Wanted so I can... That'll be my conjunction game. Right well, I'm there. not worried about it. I'm just... It just seems like the no, easiest it, it way makes, to do it. It makes all. the most sense for shipping, yeah. yeah. All right. Personal conversations aside, let's keep going with the next <laughs> thing up. In Sony TV news, it was announced that Will Arnett will be the voice of Sweet Tooth, which, as most people know, that was kind of being, if, if you've been following it, it's kind of been being rumbled around that that might be the case, but now it's been confirmed. It was known that Will Arnett was a producer for the series. So that's cool to see him get a little bit further involvement. Uh, but apparently... For the body, the dual role, the dual role as they're calling it, uh, AEW's Joe Sinoa, a.k.a. Samoa Joe, is set to play the dual role of Sweet Tooth, voiced by Will Arnett in Peacock's Twisted Metal. Sweet Tooth is described as hilarious and terrifying, a hilarious and terrifying Hulk of a man who is, an emo- who is as emotional as he is cunning. Apparently, I can't read today. I'm sorry. A lover of chaos, this majestic rage-filled killer dons an ever-smiling clown mask and uses lost vegas as his own personal killing ground all while he drives his infamous doomsday ice cream truck that is what the press snippet said i'm really curious to see how this show ends up playing out like is it essentially is it going to be that we're seeing it through sweet tooth being the main character or is it going to be like episodes are following different characters at different times is it going to be uh, Saul you talked about Black Mirror earlier and how they're it's like connected by series but it's not necessarily connected by the episodes going into each other right they could do this show in a similar way to like Twisted Metal Black did its thing where you play as a character and you see that character story out and you bring that character to win the Twisted Metal showdown and then you get to see how their wish plays out with Calypso and they could do that here where all the player, all the characters are played by the same people, but each episode is following that character if they were to win the Twisted Metal competition and then see how that impacts their life with the wishes they choose to make. That would be kind of cool, 
but I have a feeling they're going to try and make a show that has a connected story from episode to episode. Well, didn't they say that uh, Anthony Mackie's John Doe is the main character? Oh, did they? I, you I actually, they you, did. you might be right. You might be right. Um, that's going to be interesting. I would prefer an episodic show where it's like one episode is about one racer, one episode is about another, and then the last episode is the big like car fight or whatever. That would be cool. See, I would like that, but as Netflix has done before with Arrested Development season four, and everyone hated, they had that episode, they had that season filmed and broken down due to some scheduling conflicts, to where the major every episode was mainly following a single character. They'd have little interactions with the other ones, but it'd mostly be that actor, uh, that character. And I loved it. I think that when you film something that way and then you you lead to a final episode that kind of culminates everything together, it leads to some moments for some really clever writing and some good build-up and payoff. Um, but I don't know. Apparently, this goes towards one of those things where I don't think that they... I don't want to say too much because it's about another show, but there's times in shows where I'm like, why did you have to show that or completely do it? Like you can leave some things to the the mind to figure out and pick up on and be like, ah, that's cool. I get it. So I guess what I'm saying is that insidious. Well, yeah, actually that completely, I love that movie. I mean, I, I, I was yeah. I was enjoying that movie up until that scene, and it was starting to break for me a little bit because it's kind of too goofy. And then suddenly they show that, and I was like, "What the hell is this? You've completely yeah. every any bit of of creepiness or terror that I had building up inside of me, you've completely ruined." And it was it was didn't terrible. help that it looks so goofy. Oh my, it was so bad, <laughs> but oh well. Um, but yeah, I think they tend to make movies like this for the lowest common denominator. And that's that they don't want the show to be inaccessible to a group of people who want things to just be spelled out and like said for them. I hope that I'm wrong and that they do really push the envelope. But you know, when you're trying to use your, your IP like this, I think some people do it better than other, but Marvel tends to spell out things for you as well because they want the Marvel, they want the MCU to be as big as it can possibly be. Mm-hmm. They just do a better job of spoon feeding people so that people who need to know know, but then the people who want to theorize before the next movie can have their fun doing so. Yeah, exactly. I agree. We'll see. Uh, but that leads us uh, to the final thing, which is the state of play. And I got to say, the very first thing that I need to to get off here is that I can finally eat crow and say that Sony has now set the precedent. It's a double-edged sword for them. They've now set the precedent of what to expect from State of Play to be bigger than it previously was. I think this is the State of Play with the biggest new announcements reveals of really big hitters without telling us ahead of time that that was what we were going to see. And I think they may have somewhat set themselves up for potential disappointment later because they've now made state of play synonymous with the PlayStation showcase to some degree. And they may come to regret that when the next state of play doesn't live up to this hype. I don't know. There's nothing first party here. That's where we are. You're right, but we did get to see a Resident Evil 4 remake announced, and we knew it was coming, but we've never gotten actual confirmation from anything. This is the first time it's gotten an official announcement, and with PlayStation-exclusive content in the form of VR. So that's what the show started off with, Mm -hmm. uh, right out of the gate, Resident Evil 4. Um, 
I wasn't entirely wrong in that. Of course, they then shifted to Resident Evil 8 being played in VR. Uh, so there's that. But this leads to a conversation that you were saying a second ago, Chris. Uh, yeah. They pay, you know, Oculus and Facebook or whatever it is now, Meta, uh, paid for Resident Evil 4 VR. And that Sony, in a roundabout way, could have just come back and been like, all right, you can get that, but we're going to get the Resident Evil 4 remake in VR. Um, which would be hilarious. Which is more fitting for the platform. But did you notice that it said in the trailer in, includes a VR mode or something, something yeah. like that, VR content, which does not necessarily strike me in the same way as the follow-up Resident Evil 8, where it's like play the whole game in VR. You know what I mean? No, yeah, absolutely. But to give them credit, this also just might be them being legally protective of themselves because the game's not far enough along for that particular... Maybe VR is not where they want it to be yet to where they're going to confirm 100% and they'd rather hold that close to chest until closer to release. Uh, but that's coming March 23rd. That's actually a pretty close uh, pretty close game in the grand scheme of things from an initial announcement. Yeah. So, as, so long as that doesn't get delayed like everything else... Strong way to start off a, a showcase and then immediately go into Resident Evil 8 VR, which I think everyone came saw coming from a mile away, but I'm glad to see. Apparently, Chris has challenged me to do some house in Resident Evil 8 in VR. And I think he posits that it's scarier than the house in Resident Evil 7, though I'm going to tell you right now, the house in Resident Evil 7 in VR is terror-inducing. No. Okay. The, you're right. The house in Resident Evil VR, very scary. The house in Resident Evil 8 is the single scariest thing I've ever experienced in my life. I'm curious. I really want to know because I haven't. I didn't play Resident Evil 8 at all. I haven't played it. So partially because I was waiting to play it in VR for the first time because I mm -hmm. knew it was coming. I just I could feel it. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad that that's going to be the case. Uh, but from what, a lot of what I've heard, the game is not really as horror focused as 7 no, was. The game's not and scary, it's a lot, but the house yeah, is scary. But the house <laughs> is scary. I think what Make seven, and, and I'll be curious, I will compare, but my, my pre-guess for it is that I'm still going to find seven scarier because there's something about seven's house that's so grounded in that you feel like you could be a guy who just drove up and decided to walk into a house that you're now stuck into, and it's a normal house in a normal area that, like, dude, Louisiana, where they're saying this is happening, I could drive in my car for, like, four hours and be where they're talking about, and something about that makes that so much more scary to me because it feels like it's close to home, whereas mm -hmm. Resident Evil 8 having werewolves and being set overseas in an area I've never seen just kind of feels more fictional to, for me because I don't have any life experience close to it, but I've seen houses in marshy areas that are dilapidated and broke down like that. And it just feels more, feels more grounded while still being crazy. Um, then I feel like eight tries to present itself. Definitely. Cause there's no vampires. If we're just being honest. I can't wait for you to play it. <laughs> I am excited to play it though. In VR, even if it's primarily an action game, everyone cool listening to this podcast who knows, knows. And you're just I'm glad the that they do. It's, it's going to be great. I'll be in the dark in the game probably because I'm assuming that house is not very well lit. Uh, you'd, you'd imagine not. <laughs> yeah. Is it gross <laughs> like there is an Evil 7 house? <laughs> no. Or do you not want to say anything? I don't want to say anything. It's a very nice house okay. for people who exist in the game. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
course, following on from that, we got um, The Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners, Chapter 2, called Retribution. That's from Skydance Interactive. And Chris, I'm going to tell you right now, I never played The Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners, but that looks sick. Yeah. It looks really good. Grace. And that, that looks yeah. cool. Saints and Sinners is a lot of fun. I would tell you to boot it up if you can get it on Oculus. I think it is on Oculus, so I probably can play it there. Uh, my other hope is that if nothing else, they'll bring Saints and Sinners to PSVR 2. Just cause. But we'll see. Uh, no Man's Sky is, of course, getting a VR release for PS5, which is also great because it means I can play it without having to fiddle with the move controllers. And that means I will absolutely do that because No Man's Sky is a great VR game. Just not when you're having to use PSVR, which is the uh, the moral of literally every VR experience I've had since playing Oculus. Uh, Horizon Call of the Mountain. We got gameplay from that uh, finally, and great. it does. It actually. I was curious as to how Horizon would translate to first person because, of course, it was going to be first person. I think that they did a pretty good job. It feels decidedly like Horizon but with that extra layer of interaction that you'd expect from VR. Uh, and it looks surprisingly like a full-fledged game, which is what I was wanting. I shouldn't say surprisingly. Clearly, Resident Evil 7 is a full-fledged VR game on old old system. So, um, But I'm impressed. I think it looks good. Uh, it does. Horizon Forbidden West also got an, uh, an update, an announcement for that, that Shadow dropped alongside that announcement that came with uh, New Game Plus. It came with balances to um, the performance mode to help it run better and look smoother. One of the problems for that game in performance mode is it had weird shimmering effects on certain things that they apparently have been able to figure out. Uh, they brought Transmog into Horizon, which is pretty cool. Uh, and that's about uh, where we were on that. And then, or I think we all may have a little bit of something to chime in on, Marvel Spider-Man Remastered coming to PC August 12th, 2022. That's going to be one of the highest selling, if not one of the, if not the highest selling multi-platform game ever. Calling it it will, it will dethrone Horizon fastly. I guarantee. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it will become, it will become Sony's best selling uh, PC release. I think no that'll be the, I don't really know what the, what, how to label this, but I, in terms of like PS4 to PC games, this is, you know what? I'll just say this. I, I, I think in terms of console to PC exclusives, where they're not on each other consoles, but it's you know they're only on the console itself or the PC. This will be the highest selling one of all time, bar mm, none. I could, I could see that partially just because of how many units Spider Man sold on PS4 alone. You know what I mean? Yep. 30 I'm gonna million. go check because I, I would say I, 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 last time I checked it was more uh, as a whole. Oh well, this one's kind of weird. So. This is technically including Miles Morales, but both Spider-Man and Spider-Man Miles Morales have collectively sold more than 33 million units globally as of May 15th, 2022. So if you're getting that number, (laughs) if you're getting that number, that is insanity. I know that Spider-Man PS4 as of 2020 had sold over 20 million units at that point in time. So it's not too crazy to think that it could hit 
at least half of that on PC pretty quickly. Yeah. So big move. Surprising because it's weird. It's it's not surprising because it's an obvious way for Sony to make buku bucks uh, from bringing a game to PC. But I'm a little surprised that they didn't try and hold Spider-Man as the one like you're going to have to buy a PlayStation to play it. But I think after what we talked about last week where they're talking about expanding their PC presence, I guess this is really an inevitability. But when they talk about wanting to still make sure that console is the king of their of their thought process and mindset, I think Spider-Man would have been the one card to hold to your chest more than anything else. The Last of Us, go to PC. Horizon, PC, fine. God of War, PC, fine. But Spider-Man has so much market pull that people will buy a PlayStation console if they have to, to play Spider-Man. And part of the reason we know that is, I don't know if you remember, uh, saw back in 2018 when we were doing the show, uh, the Spider-Man bundle that they came out with for Black Friday that came with a slim PS4 and Spider-Man outsold constantly. You could not find it. Yeah. It $200 for the... And, and it was all because it was a PS4 with Spider-Man and it was just constantly being bought. Um, and I think that that speaks a lot to the fact that people are like, this is my way to get into PlayStation to also play this game that I can only play on their ecosystem. Uh, but Chris, what are your thoughts here? Um, I mean, I'm going to buy it and play it on PC. So that's fine. <laughs> um, I mean, of course, I'm not surprised that it's remastered because they're going to want to carry forward the new Peter. They don't want to have any... Yeah. Any disconnect confusion. I don't know. Um this is clearly uh, a sixty dollar PC release, so right? Seventy dollars maybe. 100%. Even? Yeah. Final Fantasy <laughs> yeah. seven remake is seventy. So um on PC it is? Yeah, it's wow. Yep. Wow, okay. I thought yeah. PC would be the one the one frontier where they'd hold on to that fifty nine ninety nine as long as they could. No chance. Rip rip that band aid off, baby. <laughs> Just do okay. It. Um but yeah, I given what you were saying about like holding it, I feel like at this point, if this game, if this game isn't, you know, the one they hold, then everything is coming. Everything. Oh no, I completely agree. Now that Spider-Man's off the table as a true exclusive, Demon Souls is coming to PC soon. 100%. Yeah. I already thought that to be fair, but Bloodborne's probably coming to PC soon. <laughs> if oh, yeah. it's on PlayStation, it's coming to PC. I think nothing is nothing is sacred anymore. I think Bloodborne coming to PC as a trailer will have will 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 very quickly govern the same amount of views as the Final Fantasy VII remake trailer, the original. Yeah, mm, I'd be curious. The only reason I say that is even at, even with all of the fanfare and love and being a PS Plus game and all these things, I think Bloodborne still only sold like two million copies. And what I mean by that is while there will be 2 million people who will probably for sure buy that game again, uh, and probably even a couple of people who buy it because of Elden Ring and wanted to go back and see that, I would be curious. Like, is that game so beloved because of the way it is? Or do you think Elden Ring really has opened the floodgates to people to be buying this? The reason I ask is because I don't, I haven't yet seen Elden Ring equates to because of its massive sales equate to Demon Souls remake suddenly selling much better. You get you, under, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, it's hard to say, but I think I think those I think it's the reverse. 
So like those on PC that have played all the Dark Souls games will be the ones that will be buying Demon Souls and Bloodborne in troves where they haven't had the opportunity to play it before if they're only PC gamers. Yeah, so you're saying that in this setup, these are people who like those games a lot, but not quite enough to want to buy a PlayStation in order to play them. Yes. So this would be their way to do it. I, I could, that's, a, that's an arguable point. I could see that. Because those games are quite big on PC, and Elden Ring, of course, is also quite, uh, quite popular on PC. Absolutely. And consoles. Yeah. But, you know, I remember when, whenever I read that Demon's Souls was going to be included as part of the PS Plus... Um, PS4 tiers for the middle and, and premium tier. I thought like, wow, that's a weird time to do that when Elden Ring just came out and has gotten a lot more people into the idea of Souls-like games and and the actual FromSoft games. I would have thought that PlayStation would have been like, hey, we're going to offer that on sale. Like, hey, here's here's Demon Souls remake for 20 bucks. But 20 bucks is still 20 bucks and individual sales that you can count and look at. Yeah. Um, but maybe maybe that just really shows how much Sony's trying to go into moving away from individual game sales being the only marker they care about and and really having a overall subscription dollar amount kind of like Microsoft does you know how Microsoft has to gauge success has to be based off of Game Pass not entirely but it, it has to make up a big part of how they look at their revenue and income and whether or not they want to make a sequel to something uh, as opposed to just because it sold however many million copies, you know? Oh, yeah. I agree. Yeah. All right. Let's see. After that, we got the big boy, Stray, coming on yes. July 19th, 2022, finally. Looks awesome. Cat Simulator. Or the my favorite thing I've seen, Untitled Cat Game. Yeah. Um, which is probably not too far off. Um my favorite thing about the game is that they still haven't shown enough to really explain to you what the game is, but in a way that works because it's the mystery is just good enough that I'm like, I absolutely want to play as a cat walking through a city, even if I don't qu- currently understand why I'm playing as a cat walking through the city. So take that as for what you will, but I think Stray looks awesome and I'm glad it's coming soon and also will be included as a PS Plus game for the middle tier which is important because this is a good example of sony treating the middle and premium tiers as a game pass-esque thing similar to how we saw when shadow warrior 3 uh was a day and date launch for ps plus uh or for ps now rather not ps plus um and I think this is a big a big step towards that. And it might even show that what I was hoping for uh, when I was talking to you guys might be something Sony is really taking a look at. And that's at having their developers, certain developers they partner with, make cheaper, more indie-style games that are still first-party and use first-party IP, but they are still day-and-date um, premium or middle-tier uh, for PS Plus. I agree with that. Like, I think we said it on the show, but buy Konami IP and then buy a bunch of indie studios and then just be like, these guys just, are a PS Plus factory now. You're not going to yeah, get dude, your last of us, your Naughty Dogs, but your $5 million like Curse of the... Oh, what's the name of it? The um, the Castlevania-like game? Curse of the... Oh, oh uh, Bloodstain. Yeah, Bloodstain. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Bloodstain. Yeah, like yes. the 2D Curse of the Moon ones they made. 
Oh yeah, well, dude. Even the three D one is a pretty cheap game to make if you wanted to. Like, sure. Here's five million. Here's here's five million to make a a new side scroller three D or two point five D whatever right. you want to call it. Castlevania. Phil, Phil PS Plus with stuff like that, like a Killzone Tactics on PS Plus, like dude, a remake like of a remake of Killzone Liberation. Yeah, with the third with the top or even a sequel to it, something in that same idea. Yeah, dude, that'd be great. A resistance Why not trading card there, right? Well, exactly. Like, make smaller stuff that just fills that that library because neither I've, one of them. I've got the nice. answer. Hmm. the The studio behind XCOM, the same people that are behind Marvel's uh, Firaxis. Yeah, Firaxis. Firaxis make a resistance XCOM style game where it's yeah, it's you versus the the Chimera yeah. as the aliens. Yep, that's what I was saying. That's the what I meant with Killzone. But yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. Do something like yeah. that, or do like a, I don't know, a Total War, God of War. You know what I mean? Stuff Where it's like not that. even Kratos; it's literally just looking at like it goes to Greece and you get to lead the Greece, like the Greek armies that Roman that God of War Kratos was doing. Yeah. That'd be kind of or, interesting. But you, you get to like see select, how the gods interfere in that, right? You could select a god boon, so you could get Zeus lightning or Artemis, Artemis, um, the runny guy's Dude. shoes. And just have that as a boost for your army, like stuff like that. That'd be kind of interesting. Kind of, kind of take the idea of how Hades used boons Mm -hmm. and put them into a game that's kind of like Total War, where you're controlling the whole army instead of an individual. Like Ridge Racer Kart. Like, let's do it. Let's do it. Why not, dude? Why? Why not? yeah, at that point, dude, The Last of Us carding, where it's just like Ellie Ugh. like punching people in the, in the throat, stabbing people in the throat. Yeah, <laughs> like a M-rated carding game. That would be so fun, dude. I would love that. Drive by shooting. Combat racing wasn't that, but it was more or less the closest I've seen anybody get to them. Yeah, a a more visceral kart racer, but I like that idea. Um. All right, let's see. Next thing up, we got to see a new trailer for the Callisto Protocol, which is coming sooner than I expected, December 2nd. And that studio is Striking Distance Studio. That's Callisto Phil's new new studio. Um, Also, as part of what they confirmed before this hit, the Callisto Protocol is no longer set in the PUBG universe. Good. They have chosen to take it out of that, which is a smart move. (laughs) There was no reason to saddle it to that. I saw, I don't know if you got to see this one. I know you tried like getting a little check in on certain games and then backing out so that you don't get too much ruin for you. So you have that surprise. And I, I, I did the I same thing on this one. that effort. Yeah. I, man, I, I won't say too much more than this is clearly just telling EA fuck off for not letting us make Dead Space exactly what we wanted to make it. Yeah. I think it looks yep. like a Dead Space and The Last of Us. It sounds fun. It looks really good, but you can tell that it's them not having to pull punches because it's got to be a triple A EA game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's cool. I'm really liking the way it's looking, and I'm glad it's so soon because that means, if nothing else, one thing that we got for the end of the year that I am excited for um, is the Callisto Protocol. I thought it was further off when they initially showed it, and all we got was that little CG trailer. I was like, we're probably not going to see this for three years. See, once I heard it was coming to PS4, I was like, oh, it's this year. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if it's going to be cross-gen, that's going to have to be a shit or get off the pot kind of thing before too long. Uh, makes me wonder, you know that Capcom game? I can't think of the name of it Pragmata. right now. Uh, Pragmata, yeah. Um, or however you say it, Pragmata. Um, 
I wonder if that's anywhere soon because we haven't seen nope. anything on that again. Or is this just Capcom's new deep down? <laughs> it's the new deep down. Probably is. But I think deep down <laughs> is just uh, Dragon's Dogma 2. So that'll be announced to, at the uh, Sega Showcase. Right. Same it will be really showcase. interesting, Capcom showcase. It really will. They've been talking a lot about Dragon's uh, Dogma, so that wouldn't surprise me. And apparently, somebody who was involved with Dragon's Dogma was involved with Deep Down, so it wouldn't surprise me if they're just like, "We've retooled what we were going to do with Deep yeah. Down into Dragon's Dogma 2. and Sony's that's how the game will live on. Ah, who knows? I mean, as long as Sony's probably like, as long as it's still exclusive, we don't care. Yeah, good point. <laughs> You know, every time that happens, do you remember the old story where it's like Agent. PlayStation paid for Agent? Yeah. And so there was always this thing of where like since they paid for that, there was a stop process that Rockstar owed them a, a, an exclusive, which we've clearly never seen play out. Uh, do you think that this would be a similar thing? Like, do you think that Capcom had an exclusive just through partnership? Or do you think Sony paid for part of that development for Deep Down and are kind of like, come on, Capcom, we need something from you. Do you think that's how they managed to secure Resident Evil 7 as a strictly <laughs> PlayStation VR experience? Like, you took deep down from us, so we want this. Oh, no. <laughs> I bet it was... I, honestly, I bet the only reason it's exclusive is because at the time, VR wasn't as prevalent, so Sony just got them. Now now they wouldn't do that deal, I don't think. We'll see. Maybe know, Resident Evil right? 8 VR is, is say, As far as we know right now, they didn't say it was exclusive in that showcase, and I think if it was, they would have said so. They mm-hmm. would have taken that opportunity. But I guarantee you they'll get some kind of exclusive window for it to be PSVR oh, 2 only. 100%. Dude, honestly, day one, Resident Evil 8 uh, VR, Half-Life Alex VR, as I still assume is going to be coming. Maybe not. Maybe they would have showed that here, but maybe not also. Maybe if there is a September showcase like is being rumored, that's where you do it. Valve doesn't we'll want to be uh, undercut, so they'll just announce it and release it. It'll shadow drop on PSVR. Launch that. <laughs> maybe. You go to the store right. and it's like, oh, Half-Life Alex is here. Next game up actually looks awesome. And I don't know if I'll actually buy it, but it looks cool and the trailer was good. But Rollerdrome, which is from the people... It's, it's from Private Division. This is their first game with Private Division since they've been bought, if I'm not mistaken. It might have been... Yep. Um, what What's the Ollie Ollie World? Is that what it was yeah, called? I think Did that, that come out the after one. the purchase? Okay. Yeah, it came um, out this year, a couple a month or two ago. Okay. Yeah, but Roller Rome looks like if you took Tony Hawk and mixed it with like an arena shooter game. I It's really hard to describe, but it's like Twisted Metal... But instead of cars, you're on roller skates as if you were moving through a Tony Hawk old world, but you can shoot each other. So, I don't know. It, that's I'm that's where it. I'm at. It looks I cool. like Roll 7. Um, all the Ollie games are really fun. Hard Platinums, but fun. And uh, I've never really got into them, but I'm not counting. I'm not using that against them. I just I played Ollie Ollie for like 20 minutes and just couldn't get into it that day. And so I've never tried it again. Because your boy is bad at it. No, I'm just joking. But give it a shot. It's very I good. Don't, I don't remember being good at it, but I didn't play it long enough to ever get good at it because it wasn't yeah. hooking me. Uh, which that's a that's a weird gameplay balance right there. You want early game to be easy enough to where you can occasionally get somebody to do something cool that would drive them to want to get better. Uh, but you also want to make it hard enough to where they have something to get better with. Eh, who knows? It's weird. Um uh, 
We got Eternites, which is coming from Studio Side, which looks like a early 2023 JRPG style game. If I'm not mistaken, this is the one where they were like, if you take uh, a romance simulator and mixed it with what was the other game that they pointed at? I, I can't even think right now. Uh, the trailer was really interesting because I remember going online and seeing people be like, I think Blake even posted it. People being like, when are Sony going to learn that we don't want to see this Japanese crap? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this one was very specifically uh, pretty crappy. So it was, it's like an action game, like a high end action game meets a romance like simulator, like Doki Doki. And there's even some scenes where I was like, this kind of looks like Doki Doki literature club. Uh, but then it cuts to you fighting people. So that's kind of interesting. Unless this um, game comes out and is a 10 out of 10, I will never think about it again. <laughs> that's probably true. Street Fighter 6 coming from Capcom. Uh, we got to see our first look at it. And it looks like it's kind of borrowing from the idea of when NBA 2K decided to make it to where there's an open area for the ballers to kind of walk around and play around in before they go into games. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of interesting that's coming in 2023 and it's not exclusive to playstation unlike street fighter 5 uh tunic which was an xbox exclusive uh time exclusive is coming to ps4 and ps5 september 27th 2022 and looks amazing i was hoping it would because i didn't want to have to play it on pc or xbox uh because it's it looks like the type of game i would platinum very much zelda vibes on purpose and tunic, as yeah. saul remembers um I could not stop playing the uh, Adventure, Adventure Time. Time. The unnamed, yep. uh, yeah, that game was amazing. And I really am a big fan of games that pull from that old school Zelda style and use that to their play. I think that that's part of what made me really like uh, Hyperlight Drifter as well, is it had that feeling of old school Zelda exploration with a little bit more of a challenge. Hyperlight Drifter always felt like um, Titan Souls meets uh, Titan Souls meets Zelda, but with like this weird neon cyberpunk aesthetic added on top of it in a weird way, but in a cool way. Then yeah. we got a new trailer for Season, A Letter to the Future, which looks like a really interesting game, clearly an auteur style game, but I don't necessarily know what the game is, so could be good. Looks interesting. And then a final... Uh, fantasy 16 to round things off with a summer 2023 release date uh, or release window rather pegged, which means that the rumor going around that final fantasy 16 was ready for this year, or if it got ready for this year, they would delay Forspoken is unlikely to be the case. Um, and Forspoken remains to be released in October. No sense of a delay. Uh, final fantasy 16 looks awesome. That's all it I does. can really. That's all I'll say. It looks really good, and I hope it, that it's good. I don't think that this is a bad thing, but it, you can clearly tell that Yoshi P is involved because of the fact that it kind of looks like Final Fantasy, the way that Final Fantasy's uh, online games eleven and fourteen handle damage markers and everything. It looks like that, but in a cooler way. That's um, as far as I can tell. It looks like it's real time combat, so that's cool. Uh, Chris, I like how you said, and of course I have zero knowledge as to why that would be the case, but one of the first things I saw you say was that you felt like Final Fantasy 16 was just Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a JRPG Game of Thrones game. Um, okay. 
that's how it feels to me. And it's mostly because the main character just reminds me so much of Jon Snow that it seems like that's <laughs> he's at least going to follow that same arc. Yeah, I can see that. I saw. I know you didn't want to see too much of sixteen, but you saw just a little bit. Yeah, I saw like, and you seem pretty excited about it. Yep. when we mentioned it earlier. Yeah, that's all I want to say. That's all I want to. That's all I care to hear about. Honestly, this is the most I've been excited for a Final Fantasy game since fifteen. I don't know what happened then. <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> I'll be honest, man. From the moment they announced fifteen, I was like excited. Because it was Tetsuya Nomura and it looked cool. But then the moment that they were like, you know, Nomura's stepping down and here's what the game looks like. I was like, this game seems like it's a, a mess and it's not actually being developed. And it's essentially just 13 verses all over again. And then they rushed the game out. So I liked 15. But it was a it was less than what I expected from 15 for such a long wait between, you know, 13 and 15. But it's what I expected in terms of how botched all of the messaging around the game was and i'm glad that they're being a lot more careful with 16 to not do that not over promising dates not putting a date you know that cocky showcase that i mentioned all the time of showing final fantasy 15 and with the release date in like november or whatever it was and then having the calendar roll back to september but then right yeah. before release in september they pushed it back to november again i was like you cocky assholes that's what you get for just trying to do that but uh it's interesting we'll see what comes from it um so overall for a state of play kind of going back to what i started it with um do you guys feel like you think that this sets a precedent for state of play to be better uh, than what it was? Or do you think it's something Sony really needs to worry about? I don't know. I'm weird. I don't base future presentations off of one. I never have. I think that's fair. So I, I know that the next but one may be hit or miss. Do you, ju- do you blame people? for looking at a precedent being set as a reason as to why they should expect, which clearly, at least online, a lot of people don't expect anything for precedent because precedent for state of play would show would tell you that you wouldn't have gotten this. And yet almost every state of play, people expect something like this or better um, uh, or bigger. You know I what I mean? I think they need a couple more, more surprises. Like I think, I think at that point, like they need like three strong ones in a row for people, I think, to have that kind of thought process in their mind. At least that's my thought. That's my thought process. So you form a, a correlation with something when you've seen it happen consistently? Yeah, that's that's when I start getting excited for like, okay, this there could be some big stuff here that I care about. I think I agree with that for myself. But when I say the precedent's been set, I really mean for the very vocal online, who, who knows how big the actual group of people is, but for the very vocal people who act like state of plays are just awful because they don't bring anything big to the table. I think swinging this hard uh, or this high above what a state of play usually is, um, is enough for them to start pointing to this as why isn't this state of play as good as that one? When before Sony had a pretty easy answer, whether they choose to ever employ it or not of none of our state of plays have been that we've always told you what to expect and delivered on what we set out with these state of plays. And now that's kind of been thrown out of the window to where someone can, someone can say, well, you did it that one time. Why can't you do it again? And Sony doesn't have exactly the same answer. Now they could go towards the diplomatic answer of what you said of, well, every show, every state of play is different and you can't expect something just because of the last one. Yeah. 
But if nothing else, I think the the thing I expect to see between these is that this was the first state of play in a long time where Sony wasn't hyper-specific about what was going to be in it. They said that it would be third-party and that it would had include VR, but they didn't say anything more. And almost every other state of play has been like, hey, we're going to look at a couple of indie games and we're going to show you everything that you need to know about Gran Turismo 7. Hey, we're going to show you a couple of indie games a couple of updates on a couple of VR titles for PSVR, excuse me, and we're going to show you Ghost of Tsushima. And, and they tell you every bit of that up front. And they really didn't do that as much this time. They didn't go, hey, this is going to be third-party games, but don't expect to see anything from Final Fantasy 15 or 16 here. They didn't do that. And I think that left room for you to have, like, uh, you know, they didn't tell me it wasn't going to be there. So it's not too surprising. So in the future... I expect for when they're not going to be like this, it's going to be that same old Sony wording of like, hey, there's going to be like three indie titles and we're going to really hone in on what's changing with God of War Ragnarok, but don't expect to see anything else. And then when Sony wants to have a little more fun, they'll be a little more vague with it like they have been here. Um, Chris, you think you agree with that? I mean, Saul's kind of given his stance on it. What do you think about this uh, state of play? Um, I think it was a great state of play. I think it sets a precedent that you can expect more. I don't know that it presents a precedent that everything is going you, to that be. That you must. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, you know, I, I think that's really just my take on it. Like this was a really good one. And some of them are just going to be, Hey, we've got these three anime indie games. We got to talk about that. No one's going to play, but they're there. You know what I mean? They've done shows like that where it's like, Oh, here's Chia, which, you know, looks fine, but I'm not going to play that. It does. You know, stuff like that. So I think this just sets a precedent that, yeah, maybe once in a while the shows can be more than we think they are. But for the most part, they're still the state of play, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think, the, I think the fervor around wanting state of plays to be bigger really shows how much and how hungry of a fan base Sony has that they can expect that from something that Sony up until this point has always delivered smaller things on. Like I've actually always appreciated that up until this moment, state of plays were more niche and the downside to it is that they were more, they were more niche in terms of what they were showing and what they were showcasing but they still got the same media attention and fan base attention because people love Sony so much and want so much Sony and PlayStation stuff that they go to each one of these expecting a bombshell, which I can kind of understand. And it goes to show how ravenous PlayStation fans are and why they support the the platform as hard as they do. But I appreciated that I may watch a state of play and walk away thinking, well, there wasn't much for me there, but I appreciated that it was more focused around a smaller group of people and being like, look, we're really going to take this as an opportunity to showcase a game that we used to showcase during our indie show or indie parts of uh, E3. And now we're going to spread that across the year and really highlight a few games and let you see what they're really about. And, you know, you, you kind of used it and I don't think you meant it in necessarily that way, but you kind of used it in the sense of these aren't big titles. These aren't games that we expect millions of PlayStation players to play, mm-hmm. but for the full, but for the 20,000, to 500,000 who want to play this game, we're going to really show you what this game is and we're going to highlight this game and help this developer sell their vision. And they swing and miss sometimes because I said I love Tribes of Midgard and the state of play did not make me think that that would be the case. But they at least tried to give the developer some kind of a, a, a platform or an opportunity to put their game out there. And I can say this, if it wasn't for that state of play, I probably wouldn't have even known Tribes of Midgard existed at all. 
yeah. up until it became a PS Plus game. So at least I knew it existed, and it, that that's a big help because knowing is half of being able to eventually go down the rabbit hole of buying a game. It's just being able to discover it, um, and that's a that's a cool thing. So for me, I'm glad with where this one went. I think it was a good mix between a traditional state of play from just updates on things like Tunic and Season and uh, Stray. But I liked what they showed and how they surprised with things like VR and um, and Resident Evil being a complete surprise and Marvel Spider-Man also being a complete surprise, which, to be fair, was first party. <laughs> yeah, true. Throwing that out there. Throwing that out there. Uh, it was kind of cool to see Nexus finally on something. I was like, oh, yeah. I know those guys. Good for yeah. you. No, you're right. You're right. Spider-Man. So, um, I think the last thing, Chris, and this is going to be more aimed at you, just because I thought it was an interesting. It's a, it's a little tidbit at the end of this. Okay. Uh, and I wanted to I wanted to look and see if it actually did show that. But there's a release date, and you had mentioned that. Uh, were you alone in thinking that the release date oh. for Walking Dead: Saints and Sinners meant that it more or less confirmed <clears throat> that we are getting VR this year? And I agree too. Like the way that it was shown. And that I don't think this I'll say I don't think Sony would have. Uh, so I'm looking it up because I well, want to see the on. exact Saints wording. Is, the that game is coming. So I did I did think that, um, but then I read more later. It came out that it's also coming to PSVR one. Oh, so that version is probably coming out 2022 on that date. But the yeah. PSVR two version also exists. Exactly. <laughs> well, hold on. I, I don't see it on that. I see is among the games announced during the the game will also be coming out on PC, Oculus Quest and Oculus Quest 2. But I am curious now because if that is the case, no, you're right. The PSVR version, yeah, will be expanded upon. Okay. All right. Yeah. And the PSVR version of the game, PSVR 2 version, will be coming next year. So, all exactly. right. Well, there we go. So it looks like R- R- it P- is P- indeed P- next year for PSVR 2, but that's okay. Gives them time to get things going and maybe show us more of those 20 launch titles. <laughs> yeah, right. Which I do want to see. 20 Half launch titles Alex. is a great. Yeah, great 20 launch baby. titles is a great number to hit. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy with I'm, that. I'm excited. Uh, so. I guess at this point, would you guys agree that the best way to go towards the community's take for this episode is just to go out to the community and see what they thought of this state of play? I agree. Yeah. yeah. What did you guys think? Did you like it? Yeah. And, and do you agree that this sets a precedent or not for what you personally expect from a uh, state of play? And if it's up that or if you feel like Saul said, you kind of just let them come and show you what they're going to be and prove themselves in the moment rather than having a complete expectation. So we will get that put up as usual for you to be part of. Um, and that'll go up. I think I'm going to start putting them up on Saturday so that there's three days for you guys to interact with that and catch it. Uh, Mondays during the week, people may have work, and different things that catch them. So we're going to go for that. And we look forward to hearing your opinions on that in next week's episode but i think that wraps it up here for episode 264 and i'm gonna let saul give us the uh out the outward bound runaround go ahead buddy sure so for those that have heard as uh we said earlier in the podcast you could find us on a couple different websites you could find us over at twitter at triangle sqrd you could find us on youtube under the nartech umbrella that we use uh, you can find us on most podcast services. I would, actually, I, I'll go ahead and say all podcast services at this point. Uh, if you happen to have a podcast service that you don't find us on, let us know and we'll get put on it. Uh, 
Also, as Brett mentioned earlier about Facebook, you can join our Facebook group over at Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. And lastly, but not least, that is Nartech Patreon page over at patreon.com slash Nartech, where for just a little a dollar a month, you can help support our channel. And it really does help out with costs for the podcast. None of this money goes in our pockets at all. We don't pull this money out of account or we don't use this money on things for ourselves it's pretty much all for the cost of the show and for those that have ever tried to run a podcast you know it's pretty expensive and it's costly if you want quality so we love all of our patreons uh they get cool discord names and our discords of course always linked in the description below and across various websites as well uh so we implore those to join and uh yeah thank you all for the uh, amount of feedback that we get and the tuning in every week and we hope to see y'all again for episode 265 next week thank you all thanks guys and a huge shout out to our patrons aztec king lechion 69 the lord corgi salvador garcia ham and dagger bailey robertson mark schutz cypher primus kyle grimm rude days 93 joshua lago kevin bacon bits luke rabbit danny villiobos Jehudi MD, Sean, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, Stephen Salazar, Shadowist, and my name is Dan. Thank each and every one of you. We appreciate you, and we will see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.